0: Change the world, change the world, change the world oh, yes. We can change the world, we can change
1: the world, change the world This is the Santita Jackson Show
2: race in all of these Aldermanic races and the belief council races from yesterday. I want you to see at 773-763-9278-773-763-WCPT. Did you vote yesterday? We broke records with early voting, with mailing voting, all of that. Uh, they said with a little sluggish at the polls yesterday, but really? Wow. What what a day. What a night. And thank you all for tuning in to WCPT. We, it was wonderful hearing from everybody. It was wonderful working with Joe Nesposito and Patty Vasquez last night and getting reunited with my girl, Bedalia and Matt Cummings. Send so, you all so much love today. We were there uh, just listening to all of these speeches. And we now know who will be in the runoff. It will be Commissioner Brandon Johnson and former CPSC CEO Paul Ballas. So tell me, what do you think about that? And what kind of race do you think this is going to be? Some people are saying this is going to be a battle royale. What do you think? Call me at 773 Then Renee said she already she's already been out there. Good morning, Kevin Brooks and Robert Williams and Minister Leon Wright, Colonel, sending you much love, Joyce, sending you also much love, Francis. France is, France is always giving so much love to our mayors and to Congressman Jonathan Jackson. Robert Williams, shalom to you, my dear brother. And sending everybody much love. Hey, Joyce, sending you all much love. Shirley from beautiful Philadelphia. Nicole, look, this is a race that everybody was looking at. Liberty Temple, how you doing? Sending you much love out there. Kenneth Rush. Everybody, please join us over on my YouTube channel, the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. and. The Santita Jackson and Friends page. When I voted yesterday, people said, i knew friend that we were on the Santita Jackson page, but it was the landing page. Oh, oh. In order to be my friend, in order to not get kicked off by Facebook, because I'm not doing that, please go to Santita Jackson and Friends and spread the word. That is my page. That is my page. That's the page where I interact. Okay, so please. And you'll see a picture of me and my daddy voting yesterday. Yeah, yeah. We went on out and voted and thanked everybody, the whole team down there. They were so gracious to us, sending all of the judges and all of the people down there on Clark and Lake. So much love today. So let's get right to it, everybody. Let's get right to it. Uh, in Chicago, we're going to have a high of 53 degrees today. We're partly cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 35 degrees. They will have snow in the NBA. The Raptors, 104. The Bulls, 98. The Timberwolves, 108. The Clippers, 101. And Air ended up yesterday in Chicago. Patrick Kane was traded to the new york rangers wow what a wonderful opportunity but we will miss him everybody a three-team trade in the nhl and era has ended and the coyotes bested chicago last night four to one and the wilds dusted the islanders two to one everybody it will be chicago in chicago so they all race that everybody was waiting for Dallas versus johnson who you got in this race everybody and i want to hear from everyone because a lot of people feel all kinds of ways about this race and we've got a tremendous panel that we'll be switching out every 30 minutes to talk to people to get their impressions Dr. Michael Bayer is going to help us to understand how we got uh, a former head of the public schools and a union leader who really been on opposite sides in the fight well not in the fight to educate our children but how to go about it how about putting it that way so call me, text me at 773-763. This 763 wcpt I want to hear from you. I want to know what your thoughts are. I want to know who you have in this race. Who you have in the At least two commercial flights this week have I made mean, unscheduled news in the sky to give passengers a view of the Northern Light. Good news. At least 36 people were killed in a train collision Tuesday night. In Tempe, in central Greece, the Greek Fire Service said that the passenger train was carrying more than 350 people. And it collided with a free train, praying for all of those souls over there. scientists say tests in East Palestine, Ohio, show unusually high levels of some chemicals in the aftermath of a toxic train wreck. The toxic train wreck from the beginning of the month. Nine of the dozens of chemicals that the EPA has been monitoring are higher than would be normally found. In the area, everybody, and the Chicago Mayor's race, everybody's talking about it. They opened up with all of the newscasts talking about the Dallas-Johnson-Johnson-Ballot matchup. April 4th, surely something that we will all participate in. Come on, everybody, get out and vote. And we have same-day on-site registration, vote registration. No reason not to not vote. So let's get right to it. Let's get some good news from Pastor Vicky Johnson, Pastor Vicky Johnson, how are you doing today? I am doing well, Santita. What about you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's a it's a wonderful day, and now we are in the midst of another mayoral race. And so, hey, I want everybody to get out and just vote, 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 because it's um, it's anybody's race, everybody. It's anybody's race, but remember, it's yours. I spoke with uh, State Representative LaShawn Ford, and he had a wonderful, wonderful talk in which he said, who will Chicago win? And that's really the point. We make it about personalities, but it really is about the principle of all the people winning. Who will serve us best? So, Pastor Vicky Johnson, it was wonderful hearing from you today. Yes.
3: Well, good morning, Santita, and good morning to all of your morning stars and friends. There is good news. I love Black History Month, a time when Black love is in abundance, a time when the world is exposed to our greatness, inventions, accomplishments, achievements, talents, gifts, and abilities. We are great. But we were not intended to be great. We were brought to this country to serve and to make it great. When in addition, we achieved greatness. Although the month for black history has come to an end, history was and is yet being made. LeBron James made history last month, breaking the all-time scoring record previously held by the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. History was made a month ago when the Super Bowl was led by two black quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes, with the highest viewership in years. History is being made with notable individuals, but history is also being made by ordinary people every day. You do not have to be famous to make history. Fannie Lou Hamer was a Mississippi wife and mother who simply grew sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so she became a very vocal civil rights activist. You can stand up right where you are and make a difference that makes history. Standing up to vote as we did last night makes a difference. Contributing to causes makes a difference your name may not be called your name may not be written we do not do the work that we do of fighting for justice and the rights of God's people for fame or acclaim we are not trying to get into the history books all we know is that when the book is written let it be said that we were on the right side of history. Stand up. Speak out. Find yourself on the right side of history. If you will do this, then I believe that you will. Then to me, that's good news.
2: Mm. Pastor Vicky Johnson trying the good news All that we are living with right now, but you know, then we come out of bread basket and push. Now, do we not? You know, we we believe in putting flesh on these bones. That's right. right. You gotta gotta make God, God is real, 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 real. And uh, and these lessons that we've learned, they're real, they're real, they're real. Um, Oh, thank you for that. Thank you for that word this morning. How can we worship with you on Sunday on 80th and Jeffrey? As you say 8,000, Jeffrey, I'm like 80th and Jeffrey, (laughs) y'all. Yeah, keep it simple. (laughs) St. Thomas Lutheran Church,
3: 80th and Jeffrey, Chicago, Illinois, at 1130 a.m. each Sunday for one hour of power and or if you can't join us in person, you can always join us online on Facebook, Saint Thomas Lutheran Church, Chicago. We'd love to have you.
2: I was giving myself away, Pastor Johnson, because you know what I would do? I'm so little. Mm-hmm. I would be looking for eight thousand Jeffrey and I'd be driving to Detroit.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. I'm just trying to know. Oh, man. My mother said, I always knew there was something different about you. She told me to get out the window. I was about, she said, you were about two. And she came back into the room and she was looking for me. And she said, wait a minute, where is she? And she said she became frantic. And she saw these little brown fingers on the other side of the window. I had gotten out the window. Do you hear me? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can't make, well, she told me. and my mother told me, I was going to do it. (laughs) <laughs> okay not, you're not real smart but there you go <laughs> letting y'all know I can be a little daft that's alright my father said well you know if it's not in a book my baby won't get it so he said let me try and help you <laughs> blessings to you before we pivot to uh, Dr. Shanina Knighton I want to at least get one of these callers in let me get um, let me hear Alicia Alicia what's on your mind today Hey there, um, Santina. First of all, thank you so much for doing all the things that you do. You're your family. So just want to say thank you for that. Right. Um, I, I'm actually kind of disappointed um, in, in this race. So I, I truly believe that my foot lost based on personality. Because if we truly kind of dug into everything that she did, I have yet—I've been in this city now for decades, and I never heard anything about Invest in Southwest and, you know, all the things that she at least tried to do, right? Um, but she did lose, in my opinion, based on optics and personality. However, we had the dailies in there for decades and decades, but we had... Over, I don't know how many there were, I'm just going to say, just to embellish here, over 10 people running in, in the campaign, when you knew only one or two are going to really emerge. So all those people who did run and only yielded like 1%, 2%, they really took away a lot of the votes. And so what's going to happen, even though we have two candidates here, the one that will more than likely emerge is the one that's talking about crime, 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 which is a whistle for all those people who are moving back into the city, for all those people, you know, the the loop is the fastest growing community uh, in Chicago. I don't know if you guys know that, but if you Google it, you'll see it. And what they don't want to see, or at least have some hiccups, small hiccups coming into their community. And because of that, that is all we're going to get. All the other things that we've talked about that we've lacked for decades from systemic, structural, uh, and institutional kind of racism and inequities, we will not see with the incoming uh, more than likely the person who will pull it off because his message has been clear. And it's been one single message or one single issue, rather, and that's crime. Do, no one wants crime in a city no matter where you live. So that should be uh, universal, but that is all that that will win because that that is that one single issue that's pretty clear outside of all the other things um, that I believe all the other communities have been uh, needing for so long and have been underlooked and underserved and undervalued. Hmm. Look, I hear you. One of the things that we've learned from, uh, I think, from Mayor Lightfoot's tenure is how important retail politics are, though, um, because I like her a lot. That having been said, I think that she, you know, dealt with a whole lot. That having been said, you know, um, people, people care that, you know, but my father often says that people need to know that you care. And I believe that she cares about people. I I believe that. I believe that. That having been said, it really does come down to how people feel about you. It really, really does. So, you know, that's something that um, I I hope that that's one of our takeaways, because I think that we have got, um, it's going to be quite a race. It's going to be quite a race. And race is going to be at the center of it, because dog whistle politics is not even a whistle. It's on the megaphone. Uh, Whenever you're doing law and order. We're the ones, black and brown people, who get hurt. Um, and we're the ones who are blamed as if some of the biggest criminals are not on LaSalle Street and Wall Street. But, you know, Alicia, I thank you for calling. I, I think you have got some brilliant <laughs> political analysis. <Yeah. laughs> oh, you need to come on in with me someday so I can get that.
0: Hey, from Brazil, how you doing? Oh,
2: oh I'm sorry? I said, get me on your show. I'll be happy to join you. You know what? I you know, love bringing in callers. So you know what? I'm going to get my board operator to just stay right there while I get your information and bring you on. Okay? Great. Appreciate it. Okay? Mm-hmm. You can be part of it. Absolutely. I love that. You know, I love that. I had Linear Bob, had Yvonne. I love that, love that, love that, because there's a seat at the table for everybody here, and it belongs to you. And, you know, I hate to abbreviate all of this today, but, you know, Oh, Dr. Shanita Knighton, infection preventionist, you know, we have this race and we still have this race because we have a runoff on April 4th. And, you know, at the heart of this law and order crime, but you know what, it's health, health. I mean, it seems that everything was upended by the COVID crisis. And now we see the SNAP benefits that will expire today. People are going to go hungry, Dr. Knighton, what does hunger do? I've got three minutes for you. I mean, how does not having enough food, the proper nutrients, how does it impact the growth of our children and the health of our adults?
4: Well,
5: Santita, I think it's a bigger problem when you think about somebody going hungry. And I'm even thinking about it, us from the health aspect, but just going back to again Maslow's hierarchy of needs where on the bottom is food, shelter, and security. So with that being at the very, very, let's say, when I say bottom, that means like those at the base, So you, when you talk about self-esteem, when you talk about anything else, those are the essentials that you need to have. Nutrition, just as we know, is attached to so many things. What you put in your body can be attached to depression. What you put in your body can be attached to energy. Like, it's so much that it deals with. It's attached to your immune system, and we've talked about food before and what it does. Think about the stress of not eating and that cortisol being released to your body you not having any antioxidants or proper nutrition to be able to counteract the stress that your body's experiencing as a result of not eating. We don't think about the fallout of things, and that's the unfortunate part when, as you mentioned, SNAP benefits are ending. we got COVID dollars that's getting ready to go away. And how is that getting ready to impact people?
2: Hmm. I mean, that's what really, just thinking about these kids going to school hungry and to think about people working, working, working folks who
5: are hungry. I just, oh, my gosh. And so think about it. We know that that's attached to crime. It's attached to poverty. We've had this conversation before of how somebody doesn't have food in a neighborhood, they're going to go to the closest grocery store. They may end up taking things because it's, it's a survival mode. They need to eat right. But then that grocery store becomes unprofitable. And then the next thing you know, the grocery store is shutting down. So then it ends up becoming a food desert. People don't have anywhere to, let's say, not only just not buy food, but it also carries those items that we talk about when we say hygiene poverty. So it's now taking away the soap. It's taking away the detergents. It's taking away all of the essential items that somebody would have. Be would have access to be able to purchase. And so we don't think about this chicken and the egg model. So when we see, oh, you know, why did they take this store out of our neighborhood? Well, it's still capitalism. And if they're going to be stole out of business because somebody needs to survive, it's like, unfortunately, they do have to stop the bleeding, and that was something I was not able to understand for the longest time, because I've seen hospitals leave neighborhoods, leave our neighborhoods. Um, grocery stores have left our neighborhoods, which means that some of us have to drive farther, and when I've literally been on the side of protesting and really understanding why these things are happening... When theft is at the center, you know, the epicenter of that situation, or if the uninsured, which is unfortunate, is at the epicenter of the situation, it's so sad because you try to think through what is the solution. And unfortunately, when people are going hungry and their backs are against the wall and their children need to eat and they don't have resources, people go into a fight-or-flight mode. So I do not have the best answer for that, but I do fear that crime and other things potentially may pick up.
2: You know what, everybody, and the next mayor of Chicago is going to deal with that. (laughs) And all the mayors, everybody, let's talk about this mayoral race here in Chicago. Thank you for queuing it up for me perfectly, Dr. Shanita Knighton. Hey, Dr. Nina. Hey, Dr. Nina. That is her handle, at Nina follow her and let's talk about this race here in chicago april 4th is the runoff what happened how did we get here mayor lightfoot first uh mayor in 40 years not to win a second term wow how did that happen back with born just a minute of the santita jackson show
1: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
0: save the children. can't Let's change the world. am
2: breathing. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Let us talk about this mayoral Race. It is on and cracking, everybody. On and cracking. Let me go to Pam. Pam, what's on your mind today? <laughs>
6: Good morning, Santita. Uh, Certainly, I supported uh, Commissioner Johnson, and I'm glad he's in the runoff. Uh, As I've said before, I voted for something, not necessarily against uh, Mayor Lightfoot, because I supported a lot of things um, that she worked for, initiatives. Uh, I think she uh, handled the pandemic as well as she possibly could. Uh, But then also... I just want to say I want somebody. I want someone on the fifth floor, and I'm just going to really be honest about this. Who is going to maga-proof uh, the executive level in this city? Because I think that's important for me. Uh, I'm hearing with Commissioner Johnson, he's a community organizer. They want to vilify CTU uh, as um, uh, all of the other unions who supported him, but you don't want to vilify FOP in Dallas. So here's what I know. Yes, crime is an issue, Santita. I know because I live in a community that I've had to go out there and try to fight crime myself on the street. So, Paul Dallas, I'm not willing to have these officers, some of them Proud Boy members and supporters unleashed on black people. And when we talk about Mayor Adams, let's not forget, because I talked to some of the people in that area, he also came up, within the National Action Network. So I think there's a foundation of understanding the uh, extremes that the police can go to. And I think he comes with that foundation, and hopefully that will inform some of his choices. So Paul Vallis doesn't have any of that. I'm not confident that Paul Vallis will get a handle on crime, but I am confident that Commissioner Johnson said he will not raise property taxes. Just said that. He wants to make Chicago accessible for all people. That's important to me because you have too many people, particularly the business community, who benefit from no matter what mayor is in office. But they want the working class, poor, and every other class just struggling all the time. Now, the price gouging food prices, but you're going to uh, lower the boost. That was received in SNAP benefit. Mm-hmm. I heard Commissioner Johnson's acceptance speech. He talked about some of the things, direct quotes from Paul Vallis. But I see the media doesn't want to pick up on that. Paul Vallis's words. For me, it's an insult that he is even running. But I'm convinced that uh, the people in Chicago are going to come through for Commissioner
2: Johnson because we well, need something know- different. Pam, you know, we will see yes. because now it's a whole new race. The fact that's is, Paul natural. Ballas got it. Well, so, you know, I'm going to pivot because, you know, I think you've said a lot and I want, and I'm so glad that when you call because you have such keen analysis. Uh, Paul Ballas got 33.8% of the vote. Brandon Johnson, 20.2%. Chui Garcia, 13.7%. Lori Lightfoot, 16.8% of the vote. And Jamal Green, 2.1%. Sophia King, 1.2%. Uh, State Representative Buckner, 1.8%. Willie Wilson, 9.4%. And uh, Alderman Sawyer, 4 tenths of a percent. So it was really, I think, anybody's race when we when we hear all of the campaigning. It's going to be very, very interesting. And uh, i tell you that there is a tall order that this new mayor will have to fill. Uh, but we have a lot of questions and we have a lot of folks who are going to help us to look at what we are looking at. Of course, we've got Dr. Dee Dwight McKee with us today. He's going to be with us for the rest of the show. Dr. Michael Byers is going to stay with us for a little while. And uh, Reverend Jeanette Wilson Esquire from Rainbow Push, attorney Aaron Connolly. So excited to have all of you with us today. Um, well, Reverend Wilson, in a couple of minutes, tell me what do, what do you think about yesterday? What did we what did we learn? What happened?
4: Well, I think we learned several things. Uh, a num- we did not have a. Uh- a really recognizable turnout in the African-American community. It's so a very low turnout across the board. And so our turnout was even less than uh, the um, When you talk about 70% of the people did not vote, that suggests to me that either 70% of the people were confused about where they were voting because this is a this is a year that we've had a remap and a redrawing of aldermanic lines and people didn't know where they were supposed to go. Too little education was done to the electorate about where they were to vote, when they were to vote, and so I think that's one problem. The second thing is there was not a high turnout among young millennial voters. They didn't go to the polls. As much as Jamal talked about he was represented youth, well, I don't know who his base was because they didn't vote. The mayor did not have an identifiable, the city mayor, Lifefoot, did not have an identifiable base of support. Ballas, we knew, had the white ethnic wards uh, and the police. Chewy, we felt, had the Latino vote. And um, you saw a uh, divided black community with all of those candidates running against each other. It's impossible to to have a positive turnout with that kind of negativity and division among a, 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 a part of the electorate. And so I think now uh, we have to decide as a community who has uh, the best opportunity to lead us into the next four years, lead us through the next four years in a, in a very positive way. I think Mayor Lightfoot uh, is the first mayor to lose in 40 years, but it's also the first mayor to have to lead in a pandemic, and the first mayor to have to have a COVID pandemic, a, a health pandemic, a violence pandemic that's unprecedented. And some would say it was uh, caused by her the rise in violence and crime in the city of Chicago. Much of it is, I think, the police decided after Laquan McDonald and what they witnessed uh, in that case, they were going to take this city back. And that's the goal, I think, in supporting Dallas because they're trying to shift where they have uh, someone who they believe believes in in them, supports them. Life but made it clear to the police on day one when she hired Brown, that she had no confidence in the Chicago police force, and uh, when she selected her own bodyguard from the U.S. Attorney's Office. So I think all of those things have indicated the level of hostility and division that exists within this city that nobody wants to talk about. Who can heal it? I'm not sure, but I think that's a big issue that we face.
2: Hey, everybody. Call us at 773-763-9278. We want to hear your thoughts about what happened. In a couple of minutes, Attorney Erin Connolly, your thoughts.
7: Well, good morning, everyone, and happy After Election Day Day. <laughs> I hope okay. everybody uh, has fun last night celebrating folks who won and also celebrating the folks who ran, right? Like, I think we need to also recognize that this is this is public service and people put themselves out there and put themselves out and ran commendable campaigns that were in the community. And I think there's a real opportunity to build off those coalitions of folks who didn't make the runoff last night and uh, maybe are going back to different forms of public service or back into business in our community so um thanks to those who stepped up stepped up and, and ran for office and i think we need to see more more folks from our community and that's what we saw with brandon johnson being elected last night as he's been the cook county commissioner um you know making it into the runoff um as the most progressive candidate i i think that's that's what i'm taking out of out of this right that with all of the division and rhetoric in this, in this race, as, uh, Reverend Wilson referenced, I think what we have now is an opportunity for a a clear choice, right? We have Paul Dallas, who's backed by the fraternal order of police, whose representatives, um, are part of movements like the proud boys. And we saw a very contentious, uh, public safety city council meeting on that, on that issue. Recently, we see many progressive folks, um, joining runoff races as well. And I think Brandon Johnson will have a a strong coalition going into the runoff of of his progressive base, which he does have and turned out in in droves for him, uh, yesterday. And that is part of, of the, uh, CTU organizing, uh, that, that takes place in those communities, United working families and many, uh, grassroots organizations uh, across the city, like, uh, GIA and, uh, uh, local groups ward by ward that have come together for years to build a coalition of community. And that's who supported Brandon. And, um, that was really great to see yesterday. Hmm.
2: Dwight McKee, your thoughts about what we saw yesterday.
1: Well, I thought you saw, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I thought you saw a real, um, uh, situation where choices were on the table. I think that uh, ethnicity also played a role. I think that uh, the more progressive candidate was able to emerge from the pack, and that gives us the best advantage to win uh, in the win the run- the runoff. Uh, I think it's really going to come down between the. Uh, the Hispanics and where they end up going in the campaign. If I were Brandon, I would use the law and order issue to my advantage and paint Paul Vallis as an extremist and let the Hispanic community know that if law and order becomes the rule of the day that they too will potentially be victimized by it. Because just like the black community is a little intimidated by the notion of just law and order without justice. the Hispanic community, I think can be as vulnerable if they understand that many of those police see us the same way. They see the black community and Hispanic community really as one disjointed community and can run rampant on each one of those communities. I also think that education is going to be a major, major, major issue. And Val is assault on the education of the black community and some of the Hispanic community over the last 15 to 20 years, if dealt with correctly, can really, really, really play to Brandon's advantage. Because once all is said and done... Ballots was may have been the worst thing to happen to public education in this city and three or four other cities in the last twenty years. So I think it be a very interesting race. Uh, but I think that 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 honestly, Brandon has the advantage. I think ballots will probably peak at forty-five percent. Is my guess.
2: Okay perfect week for Dr. Michael Beyer, uh, former uh, Chicago Public School principal and education reformer and, and education consultant. Uh, you, said, you pointed out something really, really key. You said, you know, we've got a mayoral runoff between a former teacher, union leader, backed by his union and the rank and file. Uh, going up against a former superintendent, a corporatist. Um, and, um, I don't know what else to say, a corporatist and someone who really has supported the privatization of public funds of public education. Talk to us. How did this happen? How did we get here? I mean, because I think Dwight is right. I think that education is going to be at the center of this thing because everybody wants their child to get a great
8: education.
4: One of the things we should look at... Santita oh, okay, is...
8: Okay. Oh, very, very quickly, because I need him to jump in. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'll be quick here, but first I want to agree with that uh, I think Val has a feeling of 45%. If you didn't vote for him the first time, you, will, you won't vote for him the second time. And two, the unions who are all going to support uh, Johnson are going to get out to vote massively, so we'll have a higher bo- voter turnout now that there's a clear choice. But as far as how we got here, uh, this is a long time coming. This is not just because of the past few years. This is back to I mean, some could even trace it back to the 1800s, 1880s, that Chicago uh, public schools have been the center of corporate reform for almost 150 years now. It has been an experimenting ground on everything from charter schools to privatization to using test scores and so on and so forth. And Dallas was the first um, CEO or superintendent put in charge once mayoral control came around in the uh, 1990s and he was the first CEO put in charge and noted, and he's not an educator. Like he said, he's also not a police officer. So he has experience in neither. And what's more concerning is that he's a finance guy. He's an accountant, which is fine. Right. You need accountants of course. But what's concerning though is that he started a lot of the trends that we see to this day and he, he made a lot of promises to make schools better for everyone. But I'm going to quote a book real quick here. Because by 2000, independent reports show that children in predominantly African-American or high-poverty schools, under Vallis' leadership, still received a standard education. Schools on probation or reconstituted were disproportionately in the poorest and most likely to be African-American neighborhoods, where they are promised magnet and college-prep schools were also least likely to be constructed or fully funded and after five years, reconstitution was a reckoned of failure. Test scores and the school had plunged, as had teacher morale. And here's the most damning line: Vales had evidently hidden much of the damning evidence. So this man is going to hide evidence. Wait, wait, wait,
2: wait, wait! Stop. Hold on. You got to see that one more time because you gave us a lot of a lot of data, a lot of evidence. You said he hid it. <laughs>
8: Yes, so he was put in charge of schools. He claimed he turned the district around, and what actually happened was that black black teachers were laid off, black schools were not improved, uh, magnet schools uh, were promised and never built, and when they were built, they were funded at a lower rate than other neighborhoods, read it, you know white or more affluent neighborhoods. And he hit it. This is a researcher from the University of Chicago who wrote this book that I'm reading from Valis had had evidently hidden much of the damning evidence. And so if he's going to hide evidence on Chicago public schools and the negative effects on black children, are you going to trust him with your police department? But this has been a long time coming of corporate reform, a school district being led by people who are not educators. And there's a role to play for corporate people. There's a role to play for business leaders. Absolutely. But when teachers are consistently shut out of the fifth floor and of central office, not just for a couple of years, but for decades, if not over a century, this is the result. Eventually, getting are going to get set up and they're going to all push for a candidate. And it started with Karen Lewis. And ever since, they've been pushing for candidates. And they finally got one in the runoff. Well, the second time because Karen Lewis made the runoff. But they have a much better chance, I would say, against Dallas. In his history of failure, not just in Chicago, but in New Orleans, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Philadelphia. For some reason, this man goes to predominantly black cities, runs the school district, and then walks away with minimal to no improvement.
0: After he left New
8: Orleans, the entire school district was reconstituted and put back together after it had basically been privatized. So that's the choice you really have. And that's how we got here: is a hundred years of a school district being pushed by corporate reformers who have no educational background,
2: and you know, and people who who really had no intention of educating the masses. I mean, when Congressman Jesse Jackson Jr. was in Congress, he went through uh, he went through the Constitution. He said, "Okay, we do not have a federally protected right to vote," and he just saw all of these gaping holes uh, that were in the Constitution. One of which, which he was he was obsessed with the fact that we needed equal access to equal high quality education. He said, nowhere in the Constitution are you guaranteed the right to be educated. That's why the kids up in Detroit have been suing because they have been graduated from school, sent to college, and they can't read. You have actual. There was one classroom in which an eighth grader was teaching their class because they had no teacher. I mean this is this is what the privatization of the public school system is doing. That's what's happening here. Jeanette, you were gonna say something?
4: Well, I was going to say something very similar. The the whole idea of creating a corporate model for public education has diminished uh, education. And this started uh, really when, when the mayor did take over the school system. It was the worst school system in America, Chicago was. And so what he did was put a man over the school system who was not an educator and he ended up closing a number of schools. Uh, that allegedly were low performing, you reassign your best teachers away from the schools that are struggling and give them to schools that uh, have high, and you, you take the high performing students and put them in gifted schools, quote unquote, or in. Sc- away from neighborhood schools, so you diminish the value of neighborhood schools. We closed 50 schools over the last uh, decade. 50 public schools closed. Schools are a major business interest for communities. And so that has been a, a major problem in this city. And you've had uh, people who are not educators running the school system for years, for decades. And that you can't do that. That model doesn't work. So that's what... Uh, we have we have dealt with and now you have an educator who has the potential to become mayor the question is how will he fund the necessary changes you have a decline in black teachers in the city of chicago most of our educators are not black teachers and you have very few male teachers i mean we have gutted a system and created this quote unquote choice which is not real choice it is selecting out the best and brightest And leaving the rest to fend for themselves and not have educational options that are are are, are available to every child. Some children should be in the trades and took the trades out of the schools, put them in the suburbs. And so the next mayor has to deal with all of that. And so I understand clearly what has happened in education over the years. And then the the level of violence that we don't talk about that occurs in these school communities and in and around these school buildings impacts our children. Our children go to school every day in war zones. And they're not given social workers, not given the appropriate supports. Uh, They live in war-torn communities. I did crisis intervention for CPS. We had people out every single day we were going from school to school, neighborhood to neighborhood where children arrived at school and their friends were dead or hospitalized and no counseling available to them. And so this is this is uh, this these are the issues that must be addressed and there's gotta be funding for social workers and psychologists. Our kids but are damn
2: Reverend Wilson, you're absolutely right, but what we're going to have to do as citizens is have that information, and then we have to understand that the voting is the end of the beginning, not the beginning of the end. Now you must push whoever gets in office to make these things happen. You can't just sit back and have Mayor Johnson or Mayor Valley do whatever it is that they said they were going to do. You must make them do what you need them to do. So just know get 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 it together, everybody. We got a lot of work to do. Before you go Aaron Connolly, going forward, what do you think we need to do? I mean, because 'cause we've got till April fourth to to vote, to make up our minds, to to press uh to press now Mr. Vallis and Commissioner Johnson about the issue.
7: I got one minute for you. I think I, I think we, we hit those doors. We go, we go back to, to, to what works and what got us in, in the runoff, turning out the base, expanding the base that was, uh, maybe had a little voter fatigue from the November election cycle, which was really intense, right? People are, were confused as Reverend Wilson said, I think we have to turn out folks and make sure they know how to vote, when to vote, why to vote. And, um, when we talk to folks on doors, um, They show up, and it was great to see those folks yesterday at the polls saying, hey, you showed up at my door. I'm actually here voting for that candidate. There's nothing better than that. And we have to keep building that community in the next six weeks and showing folks really what's at stake here. And we're talking about um, the future of our public safety system, how we reopen the closed mental health clinics how we support teachers and hire social workers and librarians and, you know, have a budget that reflects our values in the city. And that begins at the fifth floor, and it continues with a progressive coalition at city council.
2: Hey yes. Librarians need libraries, which are populated by books, everybody. Hello. We need resources and need schools in these poor areas. Come on now. Come on, people. We have, places, we have places that do not have adequate gymnasia. This is crazy. And it's wrong. Thank you, uh, Reverend, Reverend Jeanette Wilson. I was about to make you a doctor. Oh, you do have a doctorate of jurisprudence. Uh, thank you, Jeanette Wilson. Thank you, uh, Attorney Aaron Conley. Everybody, oh, absolutely. We're going to continue this conversation because now, now we have another level of this race, another level. Now you have to press both of these candidates on your issues what more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a moment. Thank you. We
0: can change the world, change the world, change the world. Oh, yes, okay. We can change the world, we can change the world, change the world.
1: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
2: Everybody. Welcome back to the San Peter Jackson Show, from the second hour of the day after the election. We will be having a runoff in Chicago between former CEO of Chicago Public Schools and former CTU leader, union leader, and public high school teacher, and now Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson. It is going to be exciting, everybody. You can have same-day, on-site registration, go registration. to you got to get out and vote, and we now need to put these issues on the table. You need to know what these men stand for. And more than that, you need to tell them what it is that you want them to do once they become mayor. One of those two persons will become mayor. I'm Santita Jackson. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show on WCBT, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. It's a joy to be with you today. I want you to call me at 773 773- Three nine two seven eight seven seven three seven six three, seven seven three seven six WCPT, I've been hearing from all of you today, Alicia and Pam and, and Renee, I wish you call in and call all my folks, Robert, Dave, call in and talk to us about what you think about last night's race and what you think is going to happen on April 4th. That's right, just little more than a month away. But here we are. Here we are. We now know who will be facing off to become the next mayor of Chicago, everybody. Let's get to some of these headlines. In Chicago, 53 degrees will be our high, partly cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 35 degrees. There will be snow. And in the NBA, the Raptors, 104. The Bulls, 98. The Timberwolves, 108. The Clippers, 101 point. And in Chicago, an era ended. Patrick Kane, Patrick Kane part of an iconic group of men on the Chicago hockey team. Well, guess what? In a three-team trade, he will be going to the New York Rangers. Blessings to Patrick Kane. But we're going to miss everybody in the NHL. The Coyotes 4, Chicago 1, and the Wilds 2, the Islanders 1, everybody. What happened last night in this race? What happened last night in this race? We do know Paul Vallis got 33% on the vote, and Brandon Johnson got 20% of the vote. The mayor got 16.8% of the vote. Tukey Garcia got 13.7%. And Willie Wilson got nine point two percent Top tier. So, what do you think is going to happen on April 4th? Who will be able to pull it out? Will Dallas pull it out? Will Johnson pull it out? I want to hear from you. Call me at 773-763-9278-773-763. W C P T, everybody. Thanks with the people of Greece today, at least 36 people were killed in a train collision on Tuesday night in central Greece. The Greek fire service said a passenger train was carrying more than 350 people when it collided with a freight train. Everybody. Scientists say tests in East Palestine, Ohio, show unusually high levels of some chemicals in the aftermath of a toxic train wreck. The toxic train wreck on February 3rd. Last month, nine of the dozens of chemicals that the EPA has been monitoring are higher than would normally be found in the area, according to a group of scientists from Texas A&M and Carnegie Mellon University. Hmm. I think engineering many Years ago, yeah. Chicago Mayor Lord Lightfoot became the first mayor in more than forty years to lose their bid for reelection. Marking that first time, can you believe? Why you think she lost, somebody I want you to call me. Call me at 773 763 773 and of course, we have got Brandon Johnson, Commissioner Brandon Johnson, and former senior of Public Schools, Paul Ballast who will be running in this race. Let's get a couple of these. I know as we are looking at this race, we're also looking at economics, everybody. You know, home ownership is central to the wealth of Americans. Indeed, that's generally our biggest asset—our homes. But more and more of us are not able to buy homes. Fewer and fewer of us, let me put it that way, are able to purchase homes. So, guess what? Team Hawkberg wants to help you. If you are a first-time home buyer, meaning if you have not owned a home within the last. Three years, you need to call Team Hockberg at 855 56 David. 855 56 David, your trusted local lender. First time buyers made up just 26% of home buyers last year, now from 34% just the year before. Um, it's the lowest home uh, home buyer uh, market in more than 40 years, everybody. So Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have stepped into the breach. They want to turn these numbers around by incentivizing first-time home buyers, people who have not owned homes over the past three years, by offering substantially lower rates. Now, this could change at any time, so you need to go on and get in the mix right now. If you make less than 105000 Seven hundred dollars, and have not owned a home within the past three years. Call Team Hochberg and see if you qualify for these low interest rates, which could change at any time. The special offer can change at any time, so you need to call Team Hochberg today, everybody. At eight five 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 six David eight five 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 six David. This is your opportunity to build generational wealth for your kids, for your grandkids. You can do this, but you got to take advantage of this. Incredible opportunity from Freddie May and Fannie Mae, Fannie Mae uh, Freddie, Freddie, uh, excuse me, Fannie Mae and Freddie Max. What you have to do is have some people walk you through it, walk you through the, uh, the application process. And Team Hockberg is willing to do that. So call them at 855-56-David eight five 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 six. David, or go to 56david.com, 56david.com, and find out more about this and the Perks Work program. So, everybody, let's talk about this race, everybody. This race that will be about law and order that some people say will be about race too. It'll be about education. It'll be about all the things that we deal with here in Chicago. Of course, the pastor of the New Mount Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church here in Chicago, a brilliant theologian, used to be the head of religious affairs at Rainbow Push. He's done so much. Brilliant scholar, professor, all of these wonderful things. And and more than that, a wonderful husband and father. Of course, I'm talking about another, none. Of the, none other than Pastor Marshall Hatch. And then, of course, we've got Dr. D, Dwight McKee. Everybody keeps asking for me to bring him back, so that is what I do. But let me start with you, Dr. Michael Beyer, uh, former Chicago public school principal, and um, you are an education reformer. You're an education consultant. And, um, you know, it's not, it should not be lost on any of us that we are – dealing with someone who is pro-union, a union leader, someone who is pro-public education, uh, someone who lives in one of these struggling communities, and that is Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson, and we're dealing with a corporatist. Right. We're dealing with someone who was the CEO of public schools who led um, and not just here, but in other cities like New Orleans, the privatization of our public resources, the privatization of public schools. Um, Talk to me. Who is Paul Vallis and what is this? And who is Brandon Johnson? And why is it of interest that these two persons are facing off in this race at this time?
8: Yeah, thank you, Santita. So, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, that uh, this is a long time coming, well over a century of a public school district that has been run by non-educators, that has been run by the business community. And just to be clear, I don't see anything wrong with the business community being at the table, uh, having a loud voice in how a school district is run. But when it's predominantly for well over a century, run only by business interests and educators are locked out. And, you know, the, you know, which is why the union has to be so loud. Uh, this is the result. You get a union-backed candidate. And this, this started long before even Karen Lewis. Uh, you know, this is the end result of corporate-led reform. And Paul Valls was the first superintendent, or as we call it here in Chicago Public Schools, CEO, after mayoral control. And he has no education background, nor does he have any policing background, either. Uh, he's a finance guy which again, we need finance people, but to put them in charge of education and in charge of the teaching and learning is another question. And, you know, the quote of the last hour there's a quote from a book called School Reform Corporate Style, Chicago, 1880 to 2000. This is written by Dorothy Shipps from the University of Chicago, which tends to lean towards, you know, the business community leading the Chicago Public Schools and other districts. Uh, but it goes on to show through research that when Valls was CEO, he promised, you know, improving the school district, turning around, or they called it reconstituting. But by 2000, and I'm quoting from the book here, a rash of the independent reports showed that children and predominantly African-American or high-poverty schools still received a substandard education. Schools on probation or reconstituted were disproportionately in the poorest and most likely the African-American neighborhoods. They were promised a magnet and college prep schools that were also least likely to be constructed or fully funded when built. After five years reconstitution under Vallis was reckoned a failure. Pest scores in those schools had plunged as had teacher morale. Vallis had evidently hidden much of the damning evidence. So you had a superintendent in charge of the school district who did the worst work for some of the most vulnerable children, black, poor children, hid the evidence. And then after CPS, he goes on to be superintendent in Philadelphia, New Orleans, Bridgeport, Connecticut, predominantly black districts or black cities. um, And he does this over and over again. So if you want to put a man in charge of the city who hid evidence about damning evidence of how black and poor children Received an education or failed to receive a proper education under the school district, and now you're going to also let him run the police department. I'm not sure what, what, what's going to convince you otherwise, but that's who you know. What, what do they say when they show you who you are? Or when they, this is his history, this is his legacy, and that's how we end up where we're at. I wouldn't even call him a corporate reformist. I think he just moves around to district to district. And this is the result. And the CTU, rightfully so, sees what's on the table, and they're fighting to prevent this from happening again.
2: Hmm. Everybody, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? Before you go, is there anything else you would like to add, Dr. Bayer?
8: It's going to be a very interesting race. I think this will be. Um, and what's interesting is that in education, the trend has been against using test scores. that was solely focus on test scores as the only benchmark of a quality education. And all the research has shown that while that is good, useful information, that's not how you should measure schools or teachers. It's actually, it works the opposite way when you start doing that. Um, but, you know, what, what's going to happen is that in education over the past couple of decades is that the reform movement has realized, okay, and that a test score shouldn't be used in that way. This election right now might be the last final stand for what we've come to know as corporate uh, education reform in this country. And that's what's on the table. It's not just the city of Chicago. Chicago is symbolic of our entire country, especially when it comes to education and police reform, because both need reform, both need improvement. And that's what's on the table between these two candidates. It's going to be an epic battle. But thank you for having me on, Santita.
2: and oh, you want we've got Dwight McKee. We've got Pastor Marshall Hatch, Reverend Dr. Marshall Hatch. So what do you make of what we saw yesterday? And what about this battle over public education? It seems like that's going to be central uh, to this, along with law and order. I mean, I think now everything is going to come up, Pastor
1: Hatch. Yes. Good morning. We're, we're we're going to see an epic battle uh, here, and and it's going to be uh, probably a you know national focus on this campaign. Uh, you know, some of us are very familiar with Paul Vallis, and it's going to be a very um, It's going to be a very difficult, uh, race for Brandon Johnson to, uh, he needs to get out in front and shaping his own narrative. Last night, everybody was calling him the defunder. I mean, of the police, that is a recipe for defeat, uh, to to be labeled uh, the defunder of police. And, uh, he's called the taxer. Uh, you know, that's, the, the the second sort of coffin in the nail. He's going to have to get out in front of of, de, of defining himself. I think that um, the uh, Hispanic vote, only 8% of the voters, and I think we kind of really saw last night, that was part of Chuy's fade. Uh, but he's going to become very uh, important, uh, Chuy Garcia. He's really built out of, uh, of the Hispanic vote in this town, a, a, a real sort of Hispanic um uh, progressive machine. And so I think um, that 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 would be Brandon's first call last night and this morning would be try to get Chewy in the camp uh and and to allow him to sort of broaden his uh his tent. So it's gonna it, you know this is a battle that's gonna that's gonna tell us whether or not black Chicago survives uh I, I, I mean i think that uh, the election of paul Vallis as the mayor would be a uh, a major setback for any kind of recovery for black chicago uh and and uh, so this this is going to be epic and um we're going to need all hands on deck
2: we're talking with Pastor Marshall Hatch, the Sankofa Project, the MAFA Redemption Project from the New Mount Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church here in Chicago. Brilliant theologian, college professor. There's so much that he is doing, and he is helping us to see uh, that this narrative is something that uh, Brandon Johnson is going to actually have to shape. Dwight McKee, how can he shape it? How can he, as Pastor Ash has said, which I think is brilliant insight and brilliant political strategy, but he does that too. How did he get ahead of it? I've got a couple of minutes before we go going to break.
1: Well, first you have to understand faster Hatch, that the goal is for, is for black Chicago not to survive. The goal is to set a precedent to gentrify the city and to bring in a whole another constituency in the city who is basically white and well-to-do. And so all of this is a strategy in order to, to, uh, uh, good, the public education to get minorities out of the city to then be moving in more people of more means and, and people from the suburbs into the city. So strategically, this already is, is is part of the plan. These guys are elitists, and they think education should be for the elite. Uh, how do you get ahead of that? I think he did a good job last night. I was glad to see him going out to Ballas last night. Uh, I think he has to take the kid gloves off, get all of the facts uh, together, assemble all of the facts, and, as you said, the pastor hatch, I think so eloquently, is create the narrative. Uh, he can't be, as I saw some of the candidates in this campaign, deferential to Valus. He has to go with him heads up, uh, take the gloves off, and tell the exact truth, the absolute truth, on what he's done, what his motives have been, and what the results have been of his policies. And the people in the communities that have suffered directly from his policies and his strategy. And he has a, tied that into the police department and what law and order really means at the street level that it really gives the police a license to operate in the traditional approach that they've used, which is take the gloves off, you know, beat the people down without accountability and, uh, and create enough the fear of God in those people who right now, are still the majority, they will be the most victimized by that philosophy.
2: Hmm. Everybody, what do you think? Call us at seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight seven seven three seven six three WCPT. What do you think about this runoff? Now we have we are in a new mayoral race. It's between Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson. Who you got? I think you make the great point, Reverend Dr. Hatch, that Brandon Johnson cannot be on defense if he wants to win. No, 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 no. He's got to, as, as the wife says, you got to take it. I mean, power concedes nothing without demand, everybody. This is not a game of tiddlywinks. Maybe you're going you to grow up and grow up and be, in this, and be in this thing to win it or not. And no one said you have to be cruel. You should not do that. One is unholy. It's not whole. It's not complete. It's wrong. But you must advocate. And we have to help. We have to support our candidates in their advocacy by pushing them. Back with more of the Santita Jackson show in just a minute. <laughs>
0: Change the world, change the world.
1: This is the Santina Jackson Show.
0: War and hate to a place of love, it's not too late. Gotta save the children, we can't wait. Let's change the world. Uh I am breathing for all the people. This is
2: the Santina Jackson Show. WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio. I have to give a shout out to Patty Vasquez and Joan Esposito. Brilliant, brilliant uh, journalists and hosts. I was so pleased to be with them last night and with our Lady B, the Dahlia Tejala. I was so wonderful to see her. She looked absolutely gorgeous, everybody. And Matt Cummings and just really holding it down at the station last night doing the wall-to-wall coverage. George Bliss, Jerry Riles, uh, Steve Lessman. Everybody was out in the fields really getting, um, getting the information to you. And th- everybody, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for, be- for being part of the incredible growth that our station is seeing. It's all because of you. Everybody, I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. I want to know what your thoughts are about this race. What do you think is going to happen here? What do you think is going to happen here? I tell you what, I know Kitty Kirk actually has some thoughts. I know Kevin Lampe has some thoughts. We've been getting a political um, class from Reverend Dr. Marshall Hatch, who, who, along with being a theologian and a pastor of the iconic New Mount Pilgrim Baptist Church here in Chicago. um, He is also an organizer and an activist. Um, And college professor and all of that. So he really hits a lot of notes. And of course this brilliant social scientist, D- Dwight McKee. Um, we are, this is really, really, really wonderful stuff that we're talking about here. Um, before we go to Kitty and, and Kevin, uh, I want to hear from Pastor Hatch and, and then you, Dwight. I mean, Pastor Hatch, what is the path forward for, uh, For these candidates today, what do you expect to see from Brandon Johnson? What what must he do to win? What must Paul Ballas do to win? Not that you want to help any other candidate out, but I just, you know, what is the pathway to victory? Pastor Hatch.
1: Brandon Johnson is going to have to expand his tent. Number one, consolidate uh, the constituencies of, uh, of, of all of the other black candidates, if he can, or as many of them as he can. And uh, and then the black public officials, particularly the, you know African American and progressive aldermen, you know not just black but progressive aldermen, uh, who each have their own war organizations. And then he's gonna uh, he, he needs to do all that he can to bring Chuy Garcia in, who has a progressive Hispanic machine uh, that that actually can deliver votes. And then he's got to expand out beyond the black community and even the Hispanic community and try to, of course, uh, project himself as progressive. He needs to mitigate being boxed in the corner as a tax and spend uh, 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 candidate. And he needs to and he needs to also uh, figure out a way to get out of the defund the police uh, uh, foxhole that they put him in. Um, and so he's got to he's got to move beyond all of that, and he's got to at the end of the day he's going to have to try to turn this into a national race of of uh, basically a, a progressive Democrat in in the city of Chicago to help him raise money nationally and and up his profile. Uh, Paul Vallis is going to do all that he can, number one, to try to mitigate the sort of right-wing box that he's been put in. Uh, And he is a right-winger, but he's going to try to use black faces. Uh, That's the Paul Vallis I know. And he he prides himself on being fairly competent in knowing how to uh, use black faces around him, uh, but make no mistake about it. He's the FOP candidate. Uh, there's some fairly easy, um, information you can get about a son that he, that he has who's a police officer, I believe in Texas, if I'm not mistaken, who, who shot and killed a, a black man. Yeah.
9: Mm-hmm.
2: Now he was to be, to to, to be clear. His son was found not to have been a police officer who fired the trigger, but he was part of the team that chased this young man down. Right? Okay.
1: And said, "And said, get down, boy." You know.
10: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and he mentioned last night that that, that his entire family are police officers, firemen, and then he said teachers are really, you know, really government workers. So I mean, this was the signal to that those five wards here in Chicago where fifty two percent of the police personnel live. You know, the neighborhoods we're familiar with on the southwest side and then up near O'Hare Field. So this is the this is the white ethnic candidate. Uh but but Paul's gonna is gonna is going to do all he can to use black faces to mitigate and to sort of soften the the edge of his uh of his really it really he's a he's a he's a right winger. Hmm.
2: Dwight McKee.
1: Well I think he has to do what I told your brother to do when he ran for Congress, Jesse Jr. is he has to take this from a campaign to a crusade. Hmm. And he has to use the history of the city to his advantage hmm. by playing the politics of inclusion to mitigate that the politics of exclusion that have existed in the city for the last hundred years. So when you talk about defund the police, what a, a better approach than that is? He's going to expand the police beyond those five boards that Rev talked about, and that now it's a chance to bring in the Asians in terms of part of the police department, and Hispanics is part of the police department, and the. Black is part of the police department, and those people have been left out of the police mainstream all of these years. He has to bring them into the contracts in the in the city. He has to really focus on reforming education and bringing back the teachers community based teachers. So it's like we need community based police. We need community-based teachers. Right now, most of the teachers, because of Teach America, have been the blacks and Hispanics have been run out of the school system, and all the men have been run out to make room for young white teachers. And even though that's his base is the teachers' union, if he's going to win, he has to broaden that base to include those who have been locked out in those communities who have been locked out, that it becomes an opportunity for them to be brought into the economy. And lastly, again, I think he has to take a regional approach to economic development. I say all the time, I, I, I saw the mayor of Atlanta use the airport to bring Atlanta's and the no minority Atlantans into the economy and into the markets. Uh, I saw Daly do that with O'Hara Airport and do that with the Dan Ryan Expressway is that he should talk about a, a airport out south that can become a point of economic development for those blacks have been displaced out there and those blacks on the south side that don't have an opportunity to work at O'Hara. And I think he should go straight for not taxing the property owners in the city, again, but a tax on the the merchandise, mer- merchandise mark in the Board of Trade where all this money is being made in, in a transaction fee because, again, they live off the prerogatives of the people in the city, and they don't pay a tax on that. And you can raise billions and billions and billions of dollars while you relieve the burden of carrying the tax burden on the property owners and the people that with the tickets and the red light cameras and being the a poor being oppressed, having to carry the burden for the rich. So he really needs to play the politics of inclusion. Mm.
2: Uh, Kevin Lampe, your assessment of... Um Uh, You know, of of of. I mean, mean, it seems that um, Brandon Johnson surged over the past few weeks. I mean, we you know, and because we thought maybe you know, of course, Chuy Garcia, of course, the mayor, of course, of course, and then it was Brandon. But then uh, we did see Paul Ballas make a strong showing last night, relatively speaking. Talk to us.
9: You know, it was, it was what I think is so interesting as as the numbers are shaking out is we we had expected the margins to be much thinner um, than it turned out to be, uh, and that there was even some talk that it might take the March 14th for us to actually get this election certified and know who the two candidates are going to be. I think we're we're you're, you're looking at some ward races where there is some razor thin margins, but some that are definite. There's a difference is going that has happened. I think it is um, the race has begun now, and kind of talk about this in terms of the you know a traditional campaign where there's a primary, there's a general election. We're now on the general election right now, and it is clearly defined in, in the city, and is clearly defined in, in most wards uh, where there's going to be a runoff. But now uh, we've gone from the marathon to the sprint.
2: Hmm. So, how can Ballas win? How can uh, Brandon Johnson win? And do you think that with law and order, which is, you know, the dog whistle politics that you have been decrying for the past few weeks, do you think that racism, not race, there's no problem with race, racism is a problem, do you think racism will be central to this campaign, either overtly or covertly?
9: This is gonna be a much more intense uh intense time now between this and, 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 and April and the, when the next election is held, the runoff election is completed. You're going to see um there's there's a couple of interesting things gonna happen over, over the next uh, two to three days. One, the greatest edition, the Chicago edition of Let's Make a Deal is going on right now. There is <laughs> There is people that are, everybody's calling everybody else. Everybody's trying to figure out who's with me, who's against me. Everybody's trying to, you know, people on the phone raising money right now. People are on the phone saying, hey, if you stand on the sideline, there's no longer time for you to sit on the sidelines. So it's time for you to participate. We're going to see that that, that everybody is, is what we call in politics the Apple books which is the the, the book of, of opposition research that everybody's done on their on their on their potential opponents. And they are going through that thinking, OK, what has to be said now? When most campaigns were trying to be more positive during this first series of, of, of yeah, yeah, first series of elections uh, that happened yesterday. Now we're going to see that negative campaigning is going to be intensified. It is going to be it's going to be, it's going to be bloody. It's going to be aggressive. And everybody is going to be looking to, okay, how can I expand over what I had? And, you know, you know, look at the mayor's race, you know, the vast majority of the people, you know, um, you know, more than half the people voted for somebody else, um, in the race, other than the two people that are going to be in it. And that's happened in many of the wards, even the wards though, or even less, you could be 60, 70% of the people that, um, Voted that that uh, voted didn't vote for either one of the candidates. So it is going to be a tense period. Um, the, the big winner of the next few days is the telephone company because all the phone calls can be made.
2: <laughs> Only you, Kevin Lampy. So do you think that you think that the dog whistle is going to become a siren?
9: It is, it is and, and it is not going to happen in the mayor's race. It's going to happen every single race. In this uh, across the city, I think we're also going to see an expansion of uh, because each candidate is pretty clearly defined to the where they stand on public safety. But they're going to have to they're going to talk about something other than that issue in order to move the needle because each candidate knows exactly how many people that are with them. One hundred percent, they got they have they have a basis clearly defined, and it's anywhere from you know from you know branded twenty percent to. to, to Paul Bellis is 35%. And then when you get into these automatic runoffs, it's like 150, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, 20%. And now they're going to have to figure out how do I reach the rest of the voters now that this is a two-person race throughout the city and in many wards.
10: Katie Curtis, are you there? I am here. Well, Kevin uh, Lampe and Dwight. Kevin Lampy and Dwight and the Reverend said all the smart stuff, so I'm here to bat cleanup. But you know, it is we have the race on April fourth, but really the next week is the behind the scenes race where Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson have to scramble to get those other candidates who ran. They have to get their support and the support of their voters. And I do think it will be interesting now that the the conversation will be clarified. We will be able to hear more about more issues. What Dallas thinks about issues other than just crime, what Brandon Johnson wants to do with his budget plan and with um, the other issues that are important to people. How are each of the candidates going to build the economy and bring uh, revitalize our city? It will be really interesting now. People will be able to hear it during the debates that will happen. There'll be more time to hear from each of the two candidates for mayor and in the aldermanic races where there are runoffs. It will be a much more defined discussion and we'll see more clearly the differences between the candidates, but also their ideas for the city and whose vision will carry forward and drive people back to the polls for April 4th.
2: Who do you think has the edge or do you think it's
10: anyone's race right now? Kitty? Well, I think from having listened to a couple of the forums before before February 28th, I think that there are more candidates aligned with Brandon Johnson's views than there are with Paul Vallis's views. Um, it will be interesting to see what Willie Wilson does. Does Willie Wilson stick to his law and order line and go with Vallis? Or does he endorse Brandon Johnson, or does he sit on his hands? Um, it will. I I think that if you if you played this game on a board game, which politics never is. If you played this game on the board on a board game, just looked at it on paper. Brandon Johnson has the advantage right now. I think that Paul Vallis will increase his base a little bit, but I don't see him getting over about 42 or 43% in the next round of elections. but we don't know what's going to happen until April 4th. That's mm. what makes politics exciting. You know, and I have to tell you, I think
2: that a lot of Paul Valis, voters uh, like president Trump's voters don't want to be identified. I think that he has a lot of, if you will, Pastor Hatch closet voters, you know, because dog whistle politics, right wing, you're Republican, blah, 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 all this stuff. I really think that he, I think he's got a real shot because a lot of folks um, will coalesce behind him on racism. They will on law and order. They will on the privatization of public schools because public schools are not as good as private schools, which is completely crazy. And, you know, quite frankly, it's just not smart. So, I mean, do you think that there are a lot of closet supporters of Paul Dallas, you know, cause he was like clocking at 20% and then, he got 33% of the vote. past your hatch.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, there are a lot of folks who are not going to be, Interested in being publicly identified with Paul Vallis, uh, who's going to vote uh, along really racial lines, uh, because that the the crime issue is the dog whistle uh, for race, uh, and that's why I think that Vallis is probably going to do his best to put a few black faces around him to sort of mitigate the, the racist label, but I think that. That's part of what we saw in the surge of Valis, and that is Valis is the, when he says the law and order candidate, it means the white people's candidate, you know, for, for people for whom uh, black and crime is synonymous. Uh, so it, it's going to be an interesting um, uh Job that I think Brandon has to define Paul Vallis uh and he needs to do it as a Republican and as Trump like to try to kind of uh you know make the contrast stark uh so that it you know you'll get some folk who'll look at um reviewing their their support for Vallis and, and 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 would be somewhat ashamed to be identified with him if he gets basically Uh, framed right as he should, as a right winger.
2: You know, in about a minute, Kevin, where are we going with this? And April 4th is around the corner, but I'm with you. I think it's going to be, I think with everybody here, we all agree this is going to be very intense, a very intense campaign. What will an intense campaign look like? One minute.
9: You. So it is important to look at what we in business call IE's independent expenditures. This is the first time that we're going to see in in the city of Chicago and throughout the wards, a a large presence from independent expenditures that are, that are, these are political action committees that sometimes uh, based upon the, the structure of that committee, sometimes we know who the donors are. Most of the time we do not know who the donors are. We're going to see a lot more money coming from third parties, third, third parties different groups who are going to be playing in races all across the city in the mayor's race and the individual wards, this outside this money that's not necessarily tracked is going to play a huge difference in this. Uh, Mailboxes are going to be filled up. The airways are going to be filled up and people are all going to be hustling to see who's got a field team and, but who is the money behind it and who is going to be behind the support for each of these candidates that we may not know who the donors are. So it is something that I think the the, the media, particularly independent media, needs to be constantly looking at and figuring out, okay, who is really behind these 10 mailings, these TV commercials, and who are the people that are trying to influence the election beyond just the candidate's own campaign team.
10: Mm, Kitty, I've got a minute for you. Well, I think that the role of civic organizations and media is heightened. I know that WCPT is planning a debate. I think that Rainbow Push is planning a debate. And those, those debates and forums become a lot more important because that's where we'll get to see now from just the two candidates head to head with one another, What's your plan for the city? What's your vision for the city? What do you want Chicago to look from look like four years from now? And the voters will get a chance through the debates to hear from the candidates. But the candidates need to get out and get to every corner of the city and the mayoral candidates and campaign and go talk to people. One-on-one retail politics becomes critically important.
4: Hmm.
2: Everybody, stay right here. I'm going to get some closing thoughts on the other side on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel and the Santita Jackson and Friends page. I'm also streaming on Reverend Jackson's page. Imagine that. That's right. I want to thank all of my guests for being here today, for giving these keen insights into what was, you know, really quite a night. Oh, what a night. Thank you, the Dells. Oh what a night, but oh what a day. Oh happy day. Get out and vote. Get registered to vote. Get involved. Do not let the minority give you a, give them make shape the majority's lives. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen, everybody. Too few of us voted. Too few of us voted. We need to get out and vote. We need to get out and vote. Please make that happen. Please make that happen. Um so that, you know, if you don't do that, April 5th, you will have no right to complain. You will have no right to say anything because you've not participated in the process. The process works when you work it. Thank you, Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman. It works when you work it. So get out there and make things happen. And push these candidates, especially the ones you like and love, because now they're being pushed by people who did not support them. That is the way politics works. Everybody so get out here, tell Brandon Johnson, tell Paul Ballas, tell him what you want. And if you are not supporting Paul Ballas, you tell him what you want in a mayor. How about that? So you might mean you still might not vote for him, but you will say, you know what? You will not have an easy ride of this if you don't come through for me. And you should say that to all candidates, everybody. That's right. To Brandon Johnson, you have to let people know what it is that you need them to do. Remember, before you get who you want, get what you need. Politics is a negotiation, everybody. I love you. Can't wait to be with you tomorrow on the San Show.